Good morning. I'm Carl Seward. This is In Praise of Good Friends. You're listening to episode 12, Dan Gunderman. In 1979, I was in second grade, and a new kid joined our class. He came from Texas. He was a small kid, still athletic, very smart, very funny. His name was Dan. We all called him Danny. For many years, I have been telling myself a story about my friendship with Dan Gunderman. And it goes something like this. Dan was a popular kid who was willing to be friends with me at church or when we were just on our own but wasn't really a good friend to me when we were at school. He didn't stand up for me. And when we went into high school, he betrayed me and we drifted apart. That's the narrative. That is the story that I've been telling for a very long time. But I have come to reconsider that in the last few years. And so I'm going to try and tell you the story in a way that is more nuanced and see if I can give you a better perspective of who Dan was and what my relationship with him was like. But still, it starts in second grade. I was drawn to Dan right away. He was very personable, very charismatic. Um, he had interests in acting and soccer, which were things that I became interested in because he was interested in them. And because I liked him and because I admired him, I think that that created a kind of filter so that I tended to see the ways in which other people admired him and treated him well, and not necessarily pay attention to other things. Because I realize now that it cannot have been easy for him to move to a different state in the second grade year. He was the new kid. He was an outsider in an insular community in a small school where everyone knew each other. He was a short kid. It was going to be very easy for him to be picked on and bullied. And he was a preacher's kid. Dan's father, Al, another very important figure in my life, had moved to Topeka to become the director for Christian education at my church. So he had this prominent position at the church and also a prominent position in the school, which meant that Dan was under a lot of scrutiny. So it can't have been easy for him, at least not as easy as I thought it was. I remember having a conversation once in the backseat of a car 
We were talking about another classmate of ours, who shall remain nameless, who bullied me quite a lot. And I said, I hated him. And Al responded right away and said, you need to be careful about that, Carl. You need to think really hard before you use the word hate. That's a strong word. Hating someone is a form of violence, he said. And Dan said, no, Dad, you don't understand. This kid is really mean to Carl all the time. And Al said, well, why don't you say something? I don't remember what Dan's answer was, or even if he did answer. But I've thought about that question a lot. Why didn't Dan stand up for me? And I think that the answer is that he didn't have nearly as much social capital as I think he did. That he knew that he was in a precarious position. And that if he stood up for me, he ran the risk of ending up in the same position I was in. I don't blame him for not wanting to be there. Like the adults in my life, Dan recognized that I was being bullied. And like many of the adults in my life, he had suggestions for things that I could do to make things better. Be less sensitive. Don't take things so personally. Things like that. I've said on, before on the podcast that I feel very strongly that those were things that were impossible for me to change without becoming a fundamentally different person. But that certainly wasn't something that either I or Dan could see at the time. And I think that Dan simply wanted to help. He wanted me not to be in this position any longer. And he thought he had some good ideas for how things could be better. So we moved on into middle school. And as we did so, our roles calcified. We were established in our hierarchies and as things do, they kind of stagnated. And we moved into that strange preteen ritual of guys asking girls, will you go out with me? Sending a note across the classroom with check boxes. Do you like me? Yes, no. There was no going out going on, of course. Nobody was dating anybody. At most, it meant that you might be standing next to somebody on the playground, or you might uh, pass more notes across the classroom. But it was important. It was significant for us. It meant something. And Dan never seemed to have a problem. He always seemed to be going out with somebody. Often, it was somebody that I was really attracted to. 
but it wasn't the same for me. My notes always came back. Check no. But the thing is, I viewed this very much as a competition between Dan and I and the other boys in the classroom. It never occurred to me that the girl <laughs> might have some say here, that she might have some, some sort of agency. And there might be good reason for them to say that they liked Dan and they didn't like me. Because Dan, as I mentioned, was awfully likable. And he'd been an actor for years, for most of his life. He had been on stage, literally, practicing how to talk to people. He knew lots of different people. He had friends who were girls. He had close cousins. He had a sister. I had none of those things. I probably wasn't very much fun at all. And so I don't blame the girls for not wanting to spend time with me. When we moved into eighth grade, things were a little bit different. Um, a lot of the boys in the class moved on to public school for a year. So my bullies were gone. Dan and I became closer. We were spending more time together. Uh, I developed some friendships with girls, which was kind of a cool thing. And then one Sunday morning in confirmation class, Dan and I had a conversation that made me so angry that I punched him in the stomach. Now, what I remember him saying was something like this. You know, when we get to high school, I won't be able to hang out with you because I'll be making other friends. That may not be exactly what he said, but that's, that's the gist of things. And I think that that was a situation where what he was saying and what I was hearing were two completely different things. I think that from Dan's perspective, he was warning me. He wanted me to be aware that we were moving into this brand new place. And he already knew people there. He'd been in summer drama camps and stage plays with lots of kids that we were going to be going to school with. He was letting me know that we were not going to have that same close relationship that we had had up until then because we just weren't going to be able to hang around together as much. But what I heard was that my best friend, my only friend, the only person I was going to know at this new school, was going to abandon me. Because he needed to spend time with people who were cooler than I was. 
and I was terrified. And because I was afraid, I got angry and I hit him. So we went to high school. I was a band kid. He was a drama kid. I was in a few plays, but nothing like the level of uh, acting that he was doing. And we did drift apart. We were just moving in different circles. We still stayed connected. We still stayed friends. We still hung out at church. But I saw him as being socially successful. He had a group of friends, he had things to do and people to spend time with, he had girls that he went out with, and I really didn't have very many of those things. And we finished high school, and we went to separate colleges in separate states. In 2010, I decided that I wanted to go to my 20-year high school reunion. By that time, I had begun to reconnect with people through Facebook and other social media. I had relocated people that I knew in high school and realized that I actually had had friends. And that some of those friends were people that I really wanted to see again. So I decided, I'll go. We'll go to the we'll go to the reunion. And at the banquet, the night of the reunion, I ended up at a table with my wife, with Dan and his wife, uh, with Melissa Boyer and Jeff Boyer, who had gone to school with my wife. Melissa got to school with me, Colleen, Tiffany Mendel, a few other people. And as we sat there and watched the slideshow of high school memories that somebody had put together and shared stories of what high school had been like for each of us, I came to a realization that none of us had been popular. None of us had been part of those great high school memories that people seemed to think they had. And it was then that I began to reconsider, to think back on my life and my relationships and to reframe them in a way that was more well-rounded and that has compassion for everyone, not just myself. So that's about it then for In Praise of Good Friends. My name is Carl Seward. That's Carl with a K. Last name is S as in Sam, 
I-E-W-E-R-T as in Thomas. This is Carl's friend, Jillian. To find Carl at various social media destinations such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, seek out the username Yoyology, which he uses pretty much everywhere. That's spelled Y-O-Y-O-L-O-G-Y, as in the scientific study of yo-yos. This is Carl's friend, Mark. The podcast is posted on SoundCloud, but can also be found via iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Subscriptions, ratings, and reviews are gratefully appreciated. And please tell a friend if you think they would like the podcast. This is Carl's friend, Adrian. For direct feedback, letting Carl know what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong and what he could be doing better, please email ipogfcast at gmail.com. This is Carl's friend, Grace. The intro music is Friendly by Nakoko. The outro is Loud and Friendly by Mistakis. Both are licensed through Creative Commons and can be found at jamendo.com. Links are in the description. This is Carl again. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Be well. Stay safe. Know that you are loved. Thank you.